Hello and welcome to Founders Unplugged. I am your host, Greg McCallum, also known as the Pay As You Scale Commercial Advisor and Fractional CCO uh, and Angel Investor. Um, before we start, just wanted to let you know all these conversations are you know, completely voluntary by the founders who are involved. So please give them some love. They're, they're very busy individuals and they're taking two hours, up to two hours out of their day to come and sit and chat with me about themselves, about their businesses and about all other kinds of stuff. Uh, so it's a bit of fun. It's a, you know, a bit of a uh, an experiment um, and uh, really enjoyed the sports very far. So thank you so much. But do show them some love. Look in the uh, description uh, on whatever platform you're watching this and you will find links to them for their LinkedIn profiles and also the projects and the startups they're working on. So do go and check those out. And while you're at it, maybe give me a bit of love too. Um, I do this as something on the side to my main business. I run a company called ThinkWork, um, like I said, where I am the commercial advisor and fractional CCO. Um, and so if you're looking for any advice, I also do free uh, commercial advice um, for those for, for one hour, up to one hour. Uh, but uh, that, that, that job allows me to do this so i guess you could say in some ways think work is sponsoring this episode um but uh look thank you so much uh enjoy the episode please do um show love and appreciation for them and of course for this episode if you enjoy it like it subscribe share all that sort of stuff comment below that lets the algorithm know that you're engaging with it and maybe you can suggest um some people that uh, should be on the show that'd be great to have them on um and they can also uh use the form in the description to apply as well um so yeah without further ado i've talked long enough enjoy the episode thank you bye-bye founders unplugged hosted by greg mccallum recording there we go you should have <laughs> there we go yeah all kinds of things popping up yes that that way is better than okay. um otherwise i'd have to look like this yeah i've got a bad neck so so how are you you well yeah i'm good thank you very good, good actually right good. Now. <laughs> um, I appreciate, yeah i'm good thanks yeah um yeah enjoying the weather um which is always nice. Is it nice? But you're in Wales, right? Yeah, Cardiff. Yeah, we had it's pure blue skies out there right now, which is oh really? Yeah, oh. nice change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for Wales especially, right? Yeah, you're well, lucky. Cardiff is actually the rainiest city in the whole of the UK, which I didn't oh, know really? when I moved here. <laughs> so ironically, I live in Eastbourne, which is the sunniest really town oh, in the whole of the UK. Oh, <laughs> oh lovely. <laughs> yeah, we apparently get the most sun. Um, of any place and I think it's something to do with um we're in kind of a basin almost yeah. so it's really weird you can drive outside of Eastbourne like five minutes and it's yeah. pissing it down with really? wow. yeah. but you drive back in and it's just like there's like a, a little protective dome yeah. over us or something which is I used cool. to live in Bournemouth so we used to call oh, it yeah. sunny sunny B <laughs> sunny Bournemouth because it was yeah, just yeah. a little pocket like that as well mm. yeah Bit yeah. here. <laughs> Everything's I'm, green here. All the trees are covered in like moss, and all the signs as you come into Cardiff are like covered in green algae and stuff because it's just so <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so um, appealing, isn't it? Just mold. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, I like the fact that we've started this conversation as well, talking about the weather. Like that's so <laughs> British. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that's the the, the, the go-to. I was loving it as well. I was really enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Well, that's that's the thing though. That's how British you can be is when you genuinely yeah. enjoy talking about the weather. 
and it's not just like a, a thing you go to just because you know you're you're out of things to talk about but like you're actually <laughs> like infused about it you know yeah and, and then the next thing is like if you get really excited talking about traffic you know oh, on yeah. the way on the way to meet someone like, oh yeah it was terrible like you know <laughs> Yeah. I've lost all my traffic chat because I work from home and I just never leave the house. Yeah, me, me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, the commute to work was terrible today. The missus was like in the way and I, and, and, you know, I couldn't get to the bathroom. It was, yeah, it was a nightmare. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, re I really appreciate you jumping on. Um, we, um, how did we come across each other? It was in the comments section, wasn't it? Of one yeah. of, I think, talking about the first episode that I found. You are the second. Oh, wow. So, yeah yeah and then i've got the third later on today and then the fourth fifth and sixth next week so it's all happening now loads of people coming in which is brilliant um and yeah the idea of like we talked about um like i was sharing on on that post is to speak with founders like yourself um and um and find out about them really so you know as you can probably tell it's a bit more casual i'm not going to sit here and ask you i haven't prepared a load of questions we'll just figure it out um <laughs> if that's okay yeah um so so yeah so um well look what i always like to do though I, I suppose the one thing that is a bit formal which i want to start you know to, to start off everything is ask who are you what's the business so you know the floor is yours i guess sure so i'm jess potter i'm the co-founder of used and loved and used and loved is like the sky scanner for second hand shopping actually that's my old saying i've just realized i don't know why i came out with that <laughs> i haven't used that for so long it's the old there... elevator pitch yeah, the new one is that we're the Amazon and Pinterest for secondhand shopping because ah. we're we used to just be an aggregator for secondhand where we we bring all the secondhand listings together from eBay, Oxfam, Vinted, and twenty five other websites and more to come. Um, but now we're actually curating secondhand as well with content creators. But I will share more about that in a bit. Yeah. Um, so we our main aim is to reduce the overconsumption of new. And the way that we want to do that is by making it easier to find secondhand and make it easier to transition from buying new to buying used. Because the experiences right now are so different because mm. you need to know exactly what you're looking for with secondhand. You can't just browse. You can't just have fun looking mm. around to see what the amazing stuff is that's out there. Um, but we know how much amazing stuff there is out there and there are experts and masters of secondhand shopping that can share, you know, all the amazing stuff. So that's mm. kind of our plan to have a huge impact on the way people shop, basically. Yeah. No, I really love it because it's it's something that I've... Um, it really interested me because it's something I've been quite interested in for some time, which is um, I've, I've always sold stuff on eBay. Right? Mm -hmm. I've always had this thing where um i buy i buy a lot of crap <laughs> um i get into different hobbies you know i buy a lot of stuff and i just can't bear the idea of just throwing stuff away or it being wasted um and so i'm always got listings on facebook marketplace or on ebay and so the i i yeah i really appreciate the value and i think a lot of us do these days um and and especially recently having our second well yeah my, my wife and i's second child um our first sorry i should say my second um you when you have a child you you pretty much get everything secondhand right yeah um yeah i mean either it's handed down to you or you're finding it on them because otherwise it would just be too expensive for yeah um and so there's you no know, it, yeah it just it was really interesting that you 
con connected with me and, and wanted to join on. And then I looked at Loved and Used at the time where I was literally going on Facebook and 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 eBay trying to find all these secondhand things. It's just really yeah. interesting. Yeah, you, we what, came up with the idea when we were pregnant with our first. Because, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, because we decided we weren't even sure whether to have children because we were trying to do as much as we could to reduce our carbon footprint and then adding mm. humans to the planet just went against everything that we were trying to do <laughs> so we decided that we would only buy second hand for them because yeah. obviously babies need well you think for the first it's <laughs> like so much stuff yeah um and that's when we realized how time consuming it was and how mm. many millions of people would have just been given up and like gone and bought something from Amazon because it took way too long to find the thing that you're looking for mm. um, and so we were like if we just make it easier for everybody then all these babies that are starting their life with second hand uh, can um, will be more likely to carry on their lives of second hand so yeah yeah, yeah. the driver <laughs> yeah or, or you need to be like somewhat literate in things so like I got a lot of stuff on eBay but I'm very familiar with eBay but I think, you know, for a lot of people who aren't, that's quite difficult. And there's a lot of scammers and, yeah. and stuff on, on and, you know, the, who are quite predatory on these platforms who are like, say, oh, send me the money via transfer. And, and if you don't know, if you've never done it before, you'll get you'll get caught in that. Right. Yeah. So there needs to be some sort of layer of protection and accountability for those sort of things. For sure. Yeah. It's interesting you said, though, that, 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 that your child is was kind of the, the catalyst for it, because if I was at an event the other day in London um, and I met several founders who said that their their catalyst their seed for their their their, their company or their, their startup was was having kids yeah. either because it was the idea was directly associated with them or because it was kind of like that moment where they were just like fuck it I need to I need to do something different you know yeah. either way you swear as much as you like if you, if okay. you want to <laughs> um uh yeah, and that's interesting. It's like it seems to be like children are very responsible for a lot of the startups we see, um, which I suppose is both good and bad because there are some terrible startups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really yeah. interesting because actually when we first came up with the idea for Used and Loved, we were buying so much stuff because we, I got pregnant um, with Wilson, our first, when I was, we moved into our house three months previously. So right. we were like filling up our house with stuff that we needed buying all stuff for the baby you know just like getting set up with our new life in Cardiff because we moved from London um and so we were buying loads of things but now five years later we actually don't really need to buy much stuff so we don't even yeah. really need to use used enough that much but um it's yeah really interesting how stuff evolves and the the need fluctuates you know for, for yeah the things you go through in your life but yeah yeah it, it, it's weird how you prioritize stuff right <laughs> yeah. but, and the thing the thing that I find like because I, I like stuff right I think yeah. we all like stuff but the thing that I find a little frustrating about having a child is that you only need it for a very short amount of time and then you need other stuff for a very short amount of time like that's really annoying to me because yeah. it's just yeah. like, like just keep it just, just you know stay the same size like just <laughs> You know, make up your mind, basically. Yeah. So how old is your, your uh, sorry, what's your child's name? Wilson and Matilda as well. So we have a five, oh, Wilson's five and Matilda's three. Tilly. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Double threat then, double threat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why did you decide to move to Wales? Um, so originally we wanted to set up a campsite in Wales. That was our yeah. life plan. Um, but then we decided move rather than moving from from London to the middle of nowhere in Wales, we 
would move to Cardiff because it's another capital. It would be a softer landing. Um, and we just really loved it here. And also we came up with the idea for Euston Loved, obviously. So mm. the campsite is out of the window now. Um, yeah. Maybe when we're older, but who knows? <laughs> um, is, the, is the campsite code for cult? <laughs> No, I think oh, okay. we, just, we actually did a lot of research going to campsites and in interviewing the campsite owners to ask yeah. them what it was like, you know, running a campsite. We did loads of research. And actually, it's not as easy <laughs> as it seems. I thought it was going to be like a really nice laid back type of way of life. But yeah. actually, it would have meant that we would have had young kids doing all the physical stuff every single weekend. You wouldn't get a break. And you'd have we were going to build like the whole thing from scratch just on a field and yeah it just would have been way harder than we realized and yeah. plus also one of the last people we spoke to said that once you um decide to do that you can't just uproot and go but your kids turn into teenagers and they hate living on a campsite <laughs> because it's in the middle of nowhere and there's nothing yeah. for them to do and you can't take them places at the weekend and all this kind of stuff so yeah i'm glad that we didn't do that You've but dodged a bullet by the sounds of it. Definitely them. dodged a bullet, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? For when it comes to business ventures, everything is infinitely harder than you anticipated it would be when you look yeah. into it. Like something can look quite simple as a business concept or, yeah. you know, something like that. Like even someone I spoke to recently. So I like for context, um, I speak to um, founders all the time, not just out, even outside of this. Um, to, to give out sort of free advice, you know, from a commercial advisory perspective mm -hmm. and so on. But I also speak to, I sort of extend that to, to even like um, threads on Reddit that, that are for entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs. So I speak to like sometimes teenagers and stuff who are just like, how can I get into this? And there is this this kind of misconception about everything being, yeah. oh, everything's easy. Like, you know, Instagram tells me I just need to change my mindset and then I'll be yeah. able to do it, you know. Um, and there was this one kid I spoke to, I think he was like 15 or 16. And he was like, I've got this idea. I really want to do window cleaning. And I was like, brilliant. Like I, that was music to my ears. Cause it wasn't like, you know, he wants to be the next, next Jeff Bezos or anything. He's like, mm -hmm. he wants to graft. And, and he understood that that would have to be his first thing before he could do his next thing. Mm -hmm. um, but then when I, when we started breaking down, like what he'd need to do in the next, you know, a couple of weeks or months or whatever, he was just like, geez, just to clean some windows. And I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like so, it's hard. You yeah. Know? Since me and my partner, Davey, who's my co-founder, um, <laughs> he's the technical co-founder. Since we got together, we actually met at Glastonbury uh, like oh. nine years ago or something. Awesome. Um, and as soon as we got together, we were brainstorming business ideas. We just are meant to be together in business yeah. as well as, as life. Um, mm. So we would brainstorm business ideas. We'd come up with all crazy different types of things. And we just kept coming back to the fact that, you know, it would be great to do something that was like Airbnb where you're just the middleman. You know, you don't actually need to have mm. the things or do the things yourself. You just like point people in the, the right direction. And mm. it sounded so easy. We were like, yeah, that's just, <laughs> you know, that's all we have to do. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, everything has its complexities and challenges. And stuff. Oh, yeah. And by the way, you've said a few things there that I absolutely have to delve into in a minute. But it's interesting you raise that because of in the last in the, I don't know if you watched the, the first episode yeah. but in, the, in the first episode um it was funny we talked at one point about how the ignorance to something is sometimes quite useful yeah like, because it, it means you go into it like just like oh we can do this and yeah. you know by the time you realize how difficult it is you're too far into it to really 
you know, be clever enough to stop. It's exactly that, yeah. So <laughs> and, really, and you need that because actually yeah. if you knew all the information up front, it's 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 exhausting and you probably wouldn't try, yeah. you know. Your brain is really good at protecting you, I think. So like during mm. COVID, while it was all like the worst of it, I we coped you know like, like we coped with it it was hard but we coped with it and then when covid finished my brain was like oh my god like i suddenly couldn't cope anymore yeah. but yeah with with the business we knew at the start that what we were planning on building was a global business that you know was going to be huge and was going to have millions of people using it and all of this stuff but we could not comprehend what that actually meant. Like, what does yeah. that actually look like? And what will that involve? And what do we need to do? And what will our, how different are our lives gonna look? But it was really good that we didn't have a clue <laughs> because yeah. like you said, if we really did know, then we never would have done it. And like when I, I have ADHD, so um, this yeah. is how I came up with the idea because before I go to sleep at night, I have to um, have like a notepad or use my phone now to write down any inventions that I have because right. I always invent things before I go to sleep and then I can't sleep if I don't write them down. So anyway, so this was one of my inventions. And mm. in the morning I told Davey about it and I said, you know, we could just bring all these websites together and it would make it way easier for everyone to find secondhand. And at the time he was a front end WordPress developer. So not a full stack developer at all. Right. Um, and he was like, yeah, I think I could do that. Like again, like complete naivety. And if he had any idea that it was going to take him five years to get to this point, he never would have said yes. Like exactly. Ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If some if someone had come up and said, yeah, you can do this, but it will take you five years, yeah. and it, and it will involve the X, Y, and Z, you've just been like, oh, in that case, no. There's probably yeah, exactly. something easier we can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a but um. So yeah, you said so many things there that like wanna. So Glastonbury, first of all, yeah. awesome. Um, I was talking about Glastonbury actually at the the networking event. Um, yeah, that is really cool. Like uh, I've only been a couple of times, but it's like by far and away the best experiences I think uh, I've ever had. Um, so tell me about when, which, what year was that? So nine, 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 nine years ago. I think so. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we. Um, it was my first Glastonbury. He'd already been a few uh, for a couple of years before, a few years mm -hmm. before, um, and he actually had a I don't know if I should be saying this on here but I'm gonna say it anyway um he had a ticket um that he bought from an old man because he didn't get a ticket in time and so this picture had like long gray hair and a beard and he didn't get in with the ticket but right. he ended up like I really don't know if I should say this I might ask you to cut this bit out at the end okay that's fine I'll think about it but he um just snuck in basically oh you can keep that in come on everyone was sneaking yeah. in back in the day <laughs> he just walked straight through the yeah. gate this was again a long time ago and we've actually tried yeah. since so it doesn't work anymore, no, not anymore. <laughs> yeah. um but yeah he snuck in and so we were all camped together as my friends and his friends we were all mutual friends but I just hadn't ever met him before and then he turned up and everyone was like Davy, you got in and he was telling everyone his story and he was wearing a blonde wig at the time because he was trying to get in from that old man's picture anyway um and I just saw him and I was like he's pretty fit <laughs> and I was like oh yes I've got a fit mate so I just instantly was like knew he was like my kind of guy and then yeah, we just like started chatting that night and then we drank like a whole bottle of rum together um, and the rest is history, you know. Yeah, so yeah. We 
just were inseparable ever since. And then he actually wanted to get a lift to London with me because he lived in Manchester at the time um, after Glastonbury. And I was like, no, I can't put you in the boot of the van that we'd hired. I was like too sketchy that it was going to, I was, you know, what if I crashed and he got killed? Like, I just was thinking all the worst things. And plus I just didn't want to get points on my license or whatever. So I was like, yeah. no, you can't get a lift. But if you can find a way to London, then you can come. Um, and he, his battery ran out that night and I just assumed he wasn't coming, but I'd drawn like a map on one of the Glastonbury um, pages in the, one of the books at Glastonbury and shown him how to get to my house from Ballam tube station. And then he turned up at like midnight <laughs> like <laughs> thinking, and he'd like had a bit of a nightmare of how to get there and stuff. But I was so impressed that he'd made it all that way. Um, so yeah, that was just, we were just inseparable ever since, even though we had a one and a half year long distance relationship. Before, oh really? Well, yeah, but <laughs> oh right, Wait, who was where? During he time? was in Manchester. Well, he moved to North Wales back with his parents for a while, um, and then he moved to London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> wow, what a story! I mean, yeah, I like, I like that. I think any good relationship should start with one, at least one person saying, "Wow, they're fit." Yeah, and, <laughs> and ideally a bottle of rum, and I yeah. think that's a good combination. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who was um, who were the the headliners? Uh, that year do you remember well fun funnily enough i missed all of friday because of that bottle of rum <laughs> no that's not a surprise yeah that makes sense <laughs> I, I tried to get up uh, in the evening to go and meet up with my friends but I hadn't eaten anything or drunk any water or anything so i'd been asleep in the t hot tent all day um yeah. and then made it to see paolo natini and then passed out in the crowd in front of paolo natini and had to get picked up by the security taken across the stage in front of paolo <laughs> natini and taken to the back it was a disaster so i got sent back to my tent so I, yeah <laughs> i missed all of that so i can't really remember who was on the friday but there was adele um oh who else is there i can't even remember it was great it was my yeah. first Glastonbury, and we just had the most amazing time and have you, have you been again since yeah yeah we went every year since apart from um uh, obviously the covid years and then we had mm. our kids um so we didn't go for a couple of years extra or something mm. but we went last year um but we weren't going to go this year but we've actually now got a space to trade at Glastonbury which oh, we really? found out like a week ago yeah oh wow that's awesome I know we're really excited because yeah they're tough uh, to get very yeah, like 3,000 businesses applied to get a pitch and mm. um, we applied and they said no, but then someone pulled out last minute and they thought we would be a good fit to take their place. So Wow, that's amazing. Congratulations. That That's huge. I mean, it's a perfect, yeah. perfect vibe for it, you know, yeah. perfect place for it. The yeah. thing I was, I, I was trying to explain Glastonbury to someone um, <laughs> at this event because it was a young lady who was also an investor, uh, uh, founder. Who was um who was going for the first time this year she was like oh yeah my friends have told me about it traders i'm gonna go you know what advice would you give like what should i expect because if i've done smaller festivals before but never anything else and me and this other guy who had both been we were like okay <laughs> if you've never done this before what you've got to understand is glastonbury is basically a city that mm. pops up over the course of a couple of weeks they they construct a city and then it disappears again it's a pop-up city yeah. That's what you've got to understand. You've got to wrap your head around that. So whatever you do, you've got to plan it like you're in London. Yeah. Don't assume that you can just pop over there and pop mm. over there. Like, no, you've <laughs> got to plan it, you know. Um, and what, but, but, yeah, what my point is, though, if you've got a stall there, you know, I mean, you've, you've got the traffic, you've got the footfall of a major city. Yeah. Like, 
you know, of, of all of, of our target audience as well, <laughs> and all of your target audience. Yeah, it, yeah. which is brilliant. Like it, you, you've got the the busy because everywhere is a busy high street, pretty much, yeah. especially wherever there's um, wherever there's stalls. Yeah. So um, you've got you've got the busy high street in central London. Yeah, but we're in the with... green futures field as well, which is just oh, perfect. Really, yeah, really great. Yeah, I'm really yeah. excited. <laughs> Oh, amazing. That's, it must cost a fortune, though, right? Um, I can't say, actually. I'm not allowed to say. No, no, of course, don't say. But I'm, I'm, I'm sure it does. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not cheap, I imagine. Um, no, that's really exciting. Though. Is that your first stall, then? Yeah, it's actually our first proper festival stall. We've done other events. We actually did the mm. uh, clothes swap with Oxfam in Wales, in Cardiff, last year. Um, mm. And different kind of things like that but never a proper festival like this so yeah we're now a proud owners of a marquee <laughs> yeah no it's good I, li I like a good marquee um <laughs> it's a weird thing to say um what was I going to ask how's it work though in, in terms of a store because obviously it's a digital offering you're connecting with so what is it you're going to actually be doing on the store so itself? we're going to be raising awareness about the amount of waste that goes to landfill and fashion waste and things like that and how right secondhand living is for the future of the planet so it is uh, kind of uh, making a political statement basically right. but then we're also going to be working getting um we haven't decided who this is yet so uh depending on when this goes out if anyone has any suggestions um we need to find an artist who can design a bespoke t-shirt design for us so mm. what we normally do at the events that we go to is have um our normal design which says 100% used 100% loved on secondhand t-shirts that we buy from charity shops um and then we get them printed with water-based ink and we normally give them away for free in exchange for um signing up to our website basically to like right. get more information and um yeah find out more about what we do mm. but we think we're probably going to get a an artist to collaborate with us and then sell the t-shirts or get people we're also going to get a, a stamp so people can come along and just get their own clothes stamped with the a smaller design of it well, that's pretty cool yeah yeah, um, yeah. Um, i like that idea a lot so is it is it um web only at the moment or is it is, is there an app or anything or? it's web only right now but we're raising funds this year to build an app so yeah i'm gonna you know what i, I should have done this last time as well i'm gonna share my screen so that anyone watching can, mm. that's you, isn't it? That's, yeah, <laughs> that's me. Because I, I, I was prepared. I had this all open, ready. <laughs> and uh, this is this is the website, isn't it? Yeah, um, if you go on the listings page. So we're, yeah. we're going to be changing everything soon. And then if you click on like um, vintage fashion or, um, yeah, vintage fashion. It's on women's vintage fashion. Yeah. Um, and then if you click on like any of those things, oh, so wow, yeah. it's like our first step of curating secondhand. So we've mm -hmm. just done all of this in-house. So the problem with secondhand is you're faced with an empty search bar and you need to know what to type in to know yeah. what to look for, which is the whole lack of browsing. So we started adding the suggested searches for the vin like vintage fashion and men's vintage fashion and things like that so that you can click through the different suggestions so this is on cami tops but then you can click through the top bar to like vintage gingham dresses or you know mm. whatever it might be when you click on skirts it shows you all the different types of skirts you can buy oh wow that's really comprehensive one. yeah yeah so it's really just uncovering uh the cool stuff that you can find <laughs> yeah that's very cool because you know i see i i know a lot of 
people are hesitant to buy secondhand clothes. And I think the main reason for that is, I mean, unless they go physically to a secondhand mm -hmm. shop, they're hesitant to buy them online because, of, like you said, it's, it's it's very rare that you can find a you know a way to just browse. Yeah, exactly. in a category, it's like you know, if you look at Facebook Marketplace, for example, it's like if you just have a look, it's just it's just ran, it's so yeah. random. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really cool. I really like that. What else is there? Baby and toddler. Let's look. Oh, okay, nothing. Oh no, do I have to choose a category for that, or is there nothing? Yeah, pick, that pick one of the. Um, it that needs some refining, but. <laughs> let's go with. What should I go with? Uh, feeding. Um, and we're going to expand this as well. It's one of, we're actually getting some interns over the summer from London School of Economics. So they're one of their main tasks is going to be to build out everything from pregnancy to like older children. So everything oh, really? you need, you can just browse through it all. Because yeah, I just I love it. <laughs> is that is that meant to be like that at all? Which one? Oh, this one. Um, I guess so. <laughs> <That's brilliant. laughs> Very cool. Uh, yeah, it's really impressive. I didn't quite realise how there was layers to it um, mm. for each each category as well. That's really impressive. Yeah, that's one of our next tasks is to find out, figure out how to make it easier to discover and see all the stuff. <laughs> mm. No, it's fantastic. It's come out. Yeah, it's really, really impressive. It's no no wonder it took five years to build. It's really yeah. <laughs> very, there's a lot here. Plus the R5, R5 five-year-old and three-year-old had a part to play in why it took us so long to build as well yeah yeah you know I can imagine that's a cool idea yeah really really impressive stuff um i'll check this out and in fact i will probably ask uh my wife if she wants to have a look at this as well because if there's you know there's always stuff that she's looking for yeah. she actually went she literally went she drove like an hour yesterday to pick something up um yeah. for, for our baby you know probably could have just ordered it here <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, how, do you mind me asking, like, how how does it work from a tech perspective? I mean, you don't have to go in grand detail, but it's it's pulling. So, it's pulling these listings through. I mean, that that must be automated to a degree, right? This isn't someone manually going through and. Yeah, it's automated. Yeah. So yeah. that it's the it's the um, it's an aggregator. So we have we have either APIs like for eBay, for example, or we scrape websites, or we have um, access to CSV files, which are through third party through third party affiliate websites yeah. um like awin so depending on the format we have to bring that through to our database and then our database has to speak the same language because right. the problem with secondhand is that a all the different websites use vastly different ways of mm. having their databases but then also for the peer listing websites like Gumtree and there's going to be loads of secondhand wedding um, websites that we add and things like that. Everything that they, <laughs> the way that they describe things and the way that they add the location and the way that they do everything is really different. Yeah. Um, so for the location thing, for example, it's the biggest nut to crack because none of the aggregators that are doing what we're doing um, have cracked it yet because it's so complicated. Mm. But we're nearly there. So we think we might be one of the first, well, the first one to figure it out. Um, but we're, yeah, once we've added the location thing, we can add Gumtree back in. We've had to take it off at the moment because the location thing was bugging out quite a lot. Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, then we kind of bring it all together with an algorithm to show people the different things. 
Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really impressive. And, and I'll be honest, I, I, I didn't play around with it as much as I maybe should have before we jumped on. I didn't quite realize the sort of the, yeah, like I said, how, how much it aggregates. It's really quite impressive. And I assume search function, we can look for stuff nearby as well. So, uh, so this, uh, the location thing isn't quite working at the moment. So oh, okay. it will be once we finish this bug fix that we're working on. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's really quite impressive how much you've done here, though. It's thank you. It really is. Um, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, good. Um, Stop sharing for now. Oh, there's that's weird. There's oh. two of two of you on my screen. Oh no, there you go. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, very cool. Really, really impressive. Oh, yeah, I'll definitely be having a look at that later with with my wife Anna because of um, yeah, we're always looking at stuff and 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 you know for herself too. She's always buying bloody clothes. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so maybe she should be buying them secondhand. Although you know. Um, not to say she spends a fortune on clothes or anything but still so yeah you you were talking um so you were mentioning earlier about the sort of the main driving force behind this is is is, is climate change is is you know the environment and things like that so um you know are are there any plans to kind of track the potential impact this could have on someone's individual carbon footprint think you know things like that yeah, definitely. So we're going to have a dashboard that shows people for things that they buy through our website, what the carbon savings that they've made are if they right. if they bought them new. But also we're going to have um, a referral tracker. So if you refer a friend and they buy stuff through our, through our website, you get like a snowball effect. So you'll be able to see the carbon um impact that you've had by referring that person to buy secondhand mm. through our site obviously they might have bought secondhand anyway but um it's impossible to know that kind of stuff yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. and if they refer someone because you've referred them and they've referred them that will all mount up so you can have you can see like the massive impact mm. that you can have by referring people to buy secondhand because mm. i think that's the big like one of the biggest drivers is seeing the ripple effect you know yeah. of yeah. uh change and like the small changes that people make maybe they just buy one secondhand thing but then they're like actually that was a really cool thing that i just found i'm like oh i saved loads of money like that was really awesome mm. i'm gonna buy more secondhand <coughs> yeah. and that's the change that we want to have um, mm. the impact that we want to have basically so yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very smart because if you know you can go to somewhere like Amazon, which is primarily new things, right? Um, but there are like like you pointed out with like this 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 platform addresses. There are so many platforms where you can get the secondhand thing. Just creating, like you said in the beginning, uh, one area you can go to that gives you an Amazon-like experience. I mean, it creates that level of convenience that we're used to on those sort of platforms to facilitate your entry into the world of secondhand. So it's, it's yeah. I think it really taps into something very important. I mean, for me, I'm very used to going on Amazon and buying stuff. I think we all are now, especially since the pandemic, we've become a lot more accustomed to online shopping than ever before. So things have to match user behavior, right? Yeah. And I think this is this is the key to a successful startup, especially in SaaS, is that you can't try and teach people how to, to do a new behavior. You mm -hmm. have to match their current behavior yeah. with a new concept behind it. Do you know what I mean? Like if mm -hmm. it was like, oh, you know, you have to go on this website, but then you have to do X, Y, and Z. It's so infinitely different. Mm -hmm. um, that would be too much. But just giving yeah. them giving them a similar experience, I think, is the yeah. key, isn't it? 
And we're yeah. going to be able to add Amazon's used listings as well, because Amazon has yeah. so much secondhand stuff, but it's so hidden. It is. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. You have to really be looking for it if you want to buy yeah. secondhand from Amazon. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's not prioritized by them at all, is it? You have yeah. to you have to change a lot of filters and stuff. The, the, to, just to, sorry, just to sort of change subject slightly, I guess. But, you know, when, when it comes to climate change, like what's your stance on it? Because if I, I've my opinion on climate change, and I don't mean the fact that it exists or anything, don't worry, I'm not going to go down some, mm -hmm. you know, um, a tin hat sort of thing there. But I mean, my opinions on how we can tackle climate change um, in, in the grander scheme of things has changed over the years. I think I was maybe a bit more naive and, and didn't know as much about it as I thought I did. I think a lot of young people, especially, think they know a lot more about climate change and how to tackle it than than is actually real so what's your your stance on it like obviously this is one way to address that but like do you, what else do you think we could be doing to address it yeah so to be honest climate change terrifies me so i live in cardiff and it's the fifth most likely city in the world to be flooded by 2050 so my mm -hmm. house is like fully in the red zone right. um, and that means that my children when they're like 30 will be facing potentially like mass displacement, like global refugees, like UK refugees needing to find other places. Anyway, so mm. the fear is what drives me personally, but I know that that doesn't work for a lot of people. And actually the problem with um, the, the issue with climate change is that unless you actually want to know about it and want to understand about it, everyone just ignores it and that's what I used to be like so before me and Davey met I was like a retail addict and he was not he didn't care anything about climate change like neither of us knew enough at all mm. so we've been on like a really slow sustainable journey where we started making like small changes and then like we became more aware and now we're like very aware um but people drive to buy new things is driven by greed by status by comfort like human desires that you can't really change you know yeah and so what needs to happen is that the tools available for people to use need to be as easy as they were before and yeah. provide the same things that they got before obviously the best thing in the in the world would be for overconsumption to be eradicated like for people to just be happy with what they have and you know it's that'd not, be that's not gonna happen. it's not gonna happen exactly yeah. there's too many people that are so driven by those things that we have well, to it's not it's not even that, that they're driven by greed and all these negative things it's just practicality like yeah. we have to be we have to be we have to call a spade a spade here like you cannot live day to day in your life without having some sort of negative impact on the planet yeah. or some some negative impact on on humanitarian issues yeah. like it's impossible yeah. and if you were to try and make every aspect of your life um to, to not have those negative effects yeah. you would drive yourself mad the only yeah. thing you could do would be sit in a corner and wither away that's it yeah. that's that's the harsh reality of it so like you said i think that the right philosophy to have is what can you do to minimize it yeah. You can't eradicate it, but to minimise it, um, and in a way, like kind of going back to your platform, you know, absolutely, um, that is familiar, right? Yeah. That yeah. slots in. And you're not asking because people's lives are complicated, you know. Yeah. To, to ask them to try and do things differently um, in a in a complex way is too much. Yeah, and and I think that's fair to say it is too. Yeah, much. and one because, other one thing that. Um, 
I was talking to one of our investors the other day and she was saying about how she, you know, didn't want us to be going down the route of consumption, <laughs> like mm. the curation and showing people what to buy and stuff like that is kind of anti what we believe in really, because it's showing people things that they don't need. You know, that's not what we believe in. But I believe that the impact that this will have is so much bigger than showing people who already don't buy much stuff how to find the things that they hardly ever buy anyway because they're already going to not be buying much stuff you know but the yeah. people that buy too much stuff need to be shown an easier way because otherwise exactly yeah yeah, yeah. it's not a bad thing if if there are people who buy more stuff than they need at least choose this option rather than going yeah. brand new yeah exactly but i mean we we have to bear in mind too i suppose there's always going to be a need for new things right yeah, yeah. so you know it's not like we can live off everything that's made now to halt production yeah. and just go okay well, we've got enough clothes and let's just share what we've like you yeah. know there's always going to be a need for it. but i think also so my my view on on this changed over the last couple of years in the sense that i've come to realize and this is just my perception and i could be wrong but i, I i've come to realize that being able to afford the time to concentrate on these sort of issues, whether it's climate through, you know, your, your carbon footprint or choosing to become vegan or whatever it might be, is very much a privilege. Mm. And I've come to realize that in a way that has kind of made me now um, start thinking about how, you know, solutions need to be less about uh, individuals needing to be in a place of privilege in order to have access to them um, and more about, you know, making them accessible to, to absolutely everyone. Mm -hmm. And they can't, and so, you know, to that, to that end about disruptiveness, but also about to some degree pretentiousness, like mm -hmm. there's, there's an air of pretension associated with a lot of these topics that regular day-to-day -day individuals just don't want to touch because they, they, they get that sense about them and they're like, you just don't understand me. And and you have to you have to give credit where credit is due. Actually, they're probably right. Like there's a lot of individuals out there spearheading campaigns and different movements and so on around these topics that have never worked a day in their life, never don't understand what it's like for the for the single parent with four kids working three jobs. And you're saying to them, Oh, you know, all you gotta do is compost. And like, you know, it's like, fuck off, mate. Like, you know. Um, so I I've kind of come to this this realization now that there's there needs to be and and what I'm glad to see is that there are a lot more solutions out there who was you know and founders who are realizing that yeah and they don't need to be perfect so we yeah. when we first were on our sustainable journey before we had kids and when we first had our kids we basically we're nearly vegan like we still ate things that may contain milk and stuff like that because that was like impossible to avoid yeah. not impossible, but for us um but now we do actually buy like a chicken a week that's free range that we cook and that lasts us like a few days or whatever mm. mainly because it was just too difficult to get our kids to eat the things that they need to eat to have a balanced diet to mm. not get too like tired they're at school and wraparound care they've got like a full it's on day almost like humans need meat in order to survive <laughs> well we could definitely survive without it it's just that they don't like the taste of like a lot of the like yeah. lentil based things that we make and that to be fair they are actually coming around to it now and actually now they're at an age um where like my son is five my daughter's three my son is now 
realizing more about like a chicken chicken meat is from an actual chicken and he doesn't actually yeah. want to eat that which is like okay. really nice for for me yeah, yeah because it means that he's now more open to trying like other things and stuff but the point is that you just don't need to like feel like you need to be perfect like it that's not the point like if everybody just tried to do like one small change or like one little bit of an adjustment to their like eating habits for example or, or whatever yeah. then it does make a huge difference you know there's so many yeah. people on the planet. <laughs> no absolutely but you know I, I suppose my my point on this is is kind of like that you know we have to recognize that that making that decision is it comes from such a place of privilege like because if you you can't be time poor and be vegan do you know what i mean you can't you you can't be time poor to the sense where the only time that you have to cook dinner is half an hour in the evening you've got no time outside of work looking after the kids taking them to school paying the bills to even research how to cook well let alone how to cook vegan and what supplements you need and like all this kind of stuff like we have to identify that that is and that's why i think you know i've i've become quite um quite upset by a lot of the rhetoric around veganism and other forms of sort of climate change movements that are sort of telling people well you should be doing this and you're you're wrong and you're um you're immoral if you don't do these things because it, it it's ma massively doesn't take into account I think these these circumstances of people who are just doing their best to survive, mm. and then you're you're making them feel bad for that. And I think that's incredibly that's a really dangerous way to look at things. Like it mm. should be, well, what can we do to help with that, yeah. rather mm. than like you know the first the first place to start in my view would be um, screw veganism, learn to cook well, learn to have a balanced diet, whatever mm -hmm. that might involve. That's your trip. That's the place to start yeah because, you know what i mean like that's more important than the other thing in my view yeah. it's like having healthy humans versus yeah. you know like you know that's more of an immediate problem <laughs> like, yeah and eating vegetables and eating vegetables right. yeah yeah exactly. because it makes a massive difference to how tired you are <laughs> as well like yeah if yeah, you yeah. eat rubbish like and i'm i've been through like a really bad phase of like not having enough time and energy to cook proper food for mm. my kids and I feel really bad but I'm slowly now getting back into actually cooking food which sounds ridiculous but I fully know the struggle like we yeah, yeah. are really time poor um, and that is probably you just want to shove something in the like... oven or get a takeaway like yeah. it happens yeah yeah I, I I'm so I'm quite passionate about the subject of food because I'm an ex-chef well an ex-chef many moons ago it was my first career my mother's French so I was born born in a kitchen pretty much yeah. right um and uh yeah so the, the topic of, of food is a huge one for me and you know people have often asked me because I, I have you know expressed my interest in in what can i i do and what can we do as a family to be more um environmentally friendly i guess and um and i've had several people ask me you know would you, would you ever go vegan and, and ad adamantly no is my answer <laughs> because i'm afraid i just enjoy um I enjoy eating meat too much, but I absolutely admire anyone who would be able to do that um, and, and who's willing to do that. Um, but it's just not for me. Um, I don't think I could do it. Um, but, uh, but, but having said that, I do, I do, you know, we do have like um, more vegetarian meals every now and then, you know, yeah. because it, you don't need to have meat in every single meal. Yeah. And that, that's something that I've recognized over the last few years too. That's um, right. Yeah. Cause that's all like, and the thing, as well as learning 
to try the like non-meat based dishes because yeah. it is so much easier <laughs> like when like because I used to love cooking meat like it was just mm. so much easier compared to cooking vegan personally like I know that there'll be people that have figured out the vegan cooking no, I don't I don't know any vegan that says it's easier than cooking regular <laughs> my baby's gluten free as well which just oh right okay other for yeah. meals which is just really challenging and it's made me lose my love for cooking which is partly probably why I've ended up giving the kids like fish fingers and like stuff that's just you know you just chuck it in the oven mm. um yeah it is hard and there, but there is so many things that people can do to live sustainably like remembering to bring your shopping bags to the supermarket and like just well you see now you have to do that because they charge you and it's a pain yeah, in the ass yeah. so most people do that but yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah there's there are it, it, and again so that is an interesting one actually because that is a really good example of how it's just the decision's been made yeah, right, yeah, yeah. for us and so it's it's now become part of our routine for everyone yeah. to do to make that choice like and that's the way it should be you know those are the kinds of you know th it's it's inconvenient but it, it in a sense when yeah. you forget but but you just make it part of your routine to just take your shopping bags and yeah. that's not too far removed to what people were starting to do anyway with bags for life and so yeah. on so yeah. it's like you know i really love that retailers like h&m and zara and you know companies like that are all starting to build their own resale businesses so they've got like uh, resale parts of their website or, or whatever they do now yeah because it's the it's showing that there is mass change coming you know that the way of consuming is going to be much easier to make a decision to buy used because they those shops will eventually have like whole secondhand sections that you can just like you can still go to the high street and then buy the secondhand stuff if you want to and actually find really cool stuff yeah. that you yeah. can't buy anymore you know that is one of a kind that you know is a bit more FOMO about secondhand <laughs> yeah no absolutely yeah I mean and that's the thing like it's not like it's 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 um it's an area which has always been it's only recently sort of coming to the fore like I remember when I was a teenager and when I was in my early 20s like all my friends especially my girlfriends would shop at like the secondhand thrift stores vintage shops things like that like that was in vogue then and it's and it's not gone anywhere like that's always going to be the case like even like going to Glastonbury and other festivals there would always be those big secondhand tents and you know you'd be able to get all kinds of crazy stuff in there like that's always been a thing um if anything I saw in fact the rise of that some areas of that become quite niche and become high fashion in themselves mm. which is a bit of a shame but yeah. um so like it's always been there there's always been a pop popular base for it and especially with young people because I mean mostly out of necessity you're mm. quite skin you're gonna get the stuff that like it is cheap <laughs> um and then also to be expressive you know you know younger people like to find the other the stuff that's older and bring it back so there's an element of that too so there's always been that underlying I think side of it um that's there but now it, yeah it is becoming more mainstream there is one aspect to the way that we've changed in our daily lives to become more uh family friendly that i'm really against um and it's really upset me actually uh and that's the cardboard straw um that's really upset me it is the the, the most horrendous drinking experience <laughs> i've ever had I, I, I don't know about you but i can't i'm not a fan of that <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm so 
or I'm like such a supporter of everything that it makes a difference. So I, I love Bacabo straw, even though I know people don't like it. Well, I it's saw horrendous. one of my friends actually figured out a trick with it is that you, while yes. you're not drinking it, you can just bring the straw out and like balance it on the cup like that. So it's not actually sitting in the drink so it doesn't go soggy. But That's yeah. quite a lot of work though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's less so that it goes soggy because they've got better with that now. Mm. They're not as bad as they were. They used to just close yeah. and pull it up. I know just, what's the point in that. But it's less so that it's the feel. It's the feel mm. of it. It's like, you know that you know that sensation. I don't know. This might just be me, so I might start sounding really weird in a second. <laughs> but you know, have you ever bitten on a towel? Oh, I can imagine. So I think I must have done at some point. So ugh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you would have, but you know what I mean. Like there's there's that. It's that horrible sort of. Um, like wool. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know how to describe it, but like this. So on your teeth, that it's like mm. oh, it's just it's, it's horrible. <laughs> and it's that. It's that that that. Um, I might. I don't know. Maybe I've got OCD or something. But it, it just. It's the the sensation of it. I just can't. I can't yeah. deal with it. I, I, I much prefer the idea of a metal straw. Yeah, my the only problem with metal straws is my friend's um, little girl was like walking along with a metal straw in her drink and then she fell over and it like went right up into the top of her mouth and there was like blood. I wasn't there, but like blood everywhere and she had to go yeah. to get it sewed up and stuff. So there's like dangers everywhere. <laughs> there is, there is. I mean, I'm sure there's probably been accidents with, with cardboard straws, but they just probably not as probably not as rock and roll as that yeah. um but but yeah no that's that sounds pretty awful yeah okay well that's put me off um those now so thanks She's for that. only two that girl so yeah oh okay okay probably just right. an age limit thing the thing is i can i can see that happening with adults too yeah you know what I mean? Saturday yeah night. so getting a margarita <laughs> or long island iced tea and that's it people just walking around like porcupines uh, yeah yeah that would be a terrible idea but no that's my only that's the only one that i'm not a huge fan of um but 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 otherwise yeah um yeah it's interesting i mean look, the the other thing as well is is we have to so, so i'm i'm quite a fan of the the idea of electric cars but i've also seen some data on on this um that suggests at least right now it's not really having it, it can't really have any net positive impacts on the environment because of the production of the cars because of the the uh the cost of 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 um, developing the electric electricity um, and the infrastructure in order to deliver the electricity to the cars, it's all just not really having any better impact. Um, so even, I did even something on that the other day that actually, right now it's not, but the fact mm. that you can then recycle the batteries and the raw materials, you don't need to remine those raw materials. Um, I can't remember the exact facts, but it was basically a counter argument for that saying, yeah it does actually work out in the long yeah, run. Yeah, in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, I, and, and that's, the, that's the thing about this is there's so much conflicting data. I mean, it's the same as everything these days. You can read so much conflicting data. But I think the subject of climate change has more conflicting data than any other topic that there is. Mm -hmm. Because if it, even when it comes to calculating something like a carbon footprint, that is such a minefield. I remember I was working with a startup before that was an eco, eco startup. Um, myself and someone else founded the company. Um, and we wanted to create similar to what you mentioned about a dashboard um, for users to um, show them that the, the net positive impact they're having, both on climate change and a few other metrics too. And the climate change, uh, the carbon footprint one, sorry, was the most difficult thing. We had to get specialists in to advise on it and consult, um, and they all disagreed. Yeah. Like it was just impossible. Everyone uses a slightly different metric. Mm -hmm. So it's always a bit of guesswork. And because there's so many, 
uh, individuals in the chain um, that run into a web, really, it's less of a chain, mm -hmm. more of a web, that, that it's really difficult to, to be accurate because it's always being offset and reset somewhere. Yeah. Um, and it's really difficult to get the data about the new manufacturing because it's all cloak and daggers, you know, the yeah. companies, the retailers that have all these supply chains and the products from different places and things like that. They're never going to tell everybody, you know, all yeah. the actual stats of like how much carbon is used to make that thing but mm. I think it's like just pretty safe to say luckily <laughs> that stuff that gets shipped over new from China and places like that are pretty bad <laughs> and stuff that is already in existence that existence that could be bought secondhand is a, is better like it's just very obviously true so that's like when we do our dashboard we're just going to go quite top line and not yeah. go too in deep into detail for every single little thing it'll just be like per weight or per whatever because it's impossible otherwise yeah. we're just going to yeah. have a big caveat and say this is very rough <laughs> yeah. yeah some small print there yeah <laughs> what do you think about um uh this idea of um veganism actually not being as eco-friendly as a lot of people yeah, which is, so because I, because now that it's increased in popularity to the level it has like it's actually the, having yeah yeah so i think that it needs to be a balance i think that there needs to be local not factory farm produced meat consumption because that is good for biodiversity and things like that for mm. uh, if it's done if the farms are managed in the right way um and that is possible you know for mm -hmm. if everybody reduced their meat consumption which i think is essential because the factory farms like is horrendous yeah. um and that is not sustainable and it's they're like chopping down the amazon to have cows it's <laughs> just for meat anyway um mm -hmm. so there needs to be a balance but i don't think veganism personally is the climate answer i think that I agree. I don't think unless, it is. unless you like just figured out how to just eat local vegetables and cooked with that, which I just don't think is possible in this day and age. Personally. No, it's not. It's not sustainable. Like, you know, we have to bear in mind that the 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 infrastructure that we have for ourselves has been developed over thousands of years, right? And it and it serves a very important need, you know, to deliver food to a huge and growing population. And it does its very best to do that. But to suggest that, you know, that one is less impactful than the other. Like the, I, I think that the argument within veganism that always gets me, especially is like you mentioned there about you know cutting down rainforests to uh, for cows. Like that happens for soy. Like it's it's still a huge problem. And and then when the argument is more of a philosophical one rather than a climate one to do with you know the the, the morality of killing and harming um, living things. Um, millions of, of creatures die for the for the growth of of these crops so it's mm -hmm. the, the, it's part on both sides for me um it's it's let you know it should like you said let be less about i think the being a solution or being sort of touted as that some sort of you know grand um, enlightened solution to these issues and more as an alternative in order to have some even if it's small net positive mm -hmm. kind of impact on on these things right yeah. um but not claim to be the holy grail and i think that's i think that's the in the same way that that um that the uh stop oil is it stop oil mm. yeah protesters are having giving 
that a bad name, yeah. so too do a lot of very vocal vegans give yeah. that, that topic a bad name, when in fact the vast majority of people who are in these um, in these movements and sort of live them and breathe them day to day are a bit less extreme and they're just sort of like, look, let's face it, guys, we're not saving the world like this. We're, it's it's mm. a bit of a combination of things, let's be mm. real. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, definitely. And it just makes, if the extremists do make it, uh, it puts people's backs up and then just mm. makes people not want to engage at all. So that's yeah. counterintuitive. So, yeah, I'm all for not being perfect just doing a bit <laughs> trying yeah. your best like exactly your best like just trying a bit <laughs> yeah uh, and i think as well once you do start um trying and doing like a little bit you just generally do start going along the journey of realizing the impact that you're having and like be becoming more aware of stuff and that's a natural process rather than being like forced you know or feeling like you have to do that yeah. you just go on your own journey and like it's take I loved buying new stuff so much that it took me five years or something to like be happy with not buying new and I still mm. get tempted every now and again but I also love buying secondhand so much that I'm completely fine with not buying new but I do still get tempted like if I go into the supermarket and I like look at the clothes section or like the homeware section or whatever I'm like oh that looks really nice I'd love to just like pick that up because it's so easy like mm. I totally get it why um people buy new and it's okay mm -hmm. what what do you think about um sorry bringing it back to food because as you can probably <laughs> tell it's, <laughs> it's a topic I'm really interested in. um what do you think about the consumption of insects I think that that is really interesting like there's a company I can't remember the name of them now um the mark a marketing agency that i used called kind was working with them i'll try and remember the name um they are in that insect meat space and mm. i think it is essential for the future like the i don't want to go all doom and gloom again and scaring people but like the future so to put it into perspective there were three billion people in the planet in 1960 and now there's nearly 8 billion people on the planet just since 1960. Like, it's obviously going to just keep growing and growing and growing. And, like, we're going to run out of everything. We can't have enough animals to feed all the people without chopping down all the trees, you know, and, and soya and all that kind of stuff. We need, like, an alternative. Mm. Um, I, um, I think it would take me a while to come around to the fact that I was eating bugs like I think I would mm. it would take me a long time to get used to that unless I tasted it and it really did taste amazing and I've seen some videos of people eating them like bug burgers so it's it just looks like a normal burger so you wouldn't yeah. even know it was meat uh bugs I mean um so I know we can convince our brains that it's okay it will just be a process yeah what's really fascinating to me about it is that because I've tried and mm -hmm. they are really nice, <laughs> like, yeah. surprisingly nice. Um, I, I've only tried crickets. That's the only yeah. one that I've tried. But like, man, they're good. Like, yeah. you know, you have a little bowl of them and like, like whole as well. Like, I'm not yeah. saying you need to, I don't think with those ones, you even need to change the way they look. Because yeah. once you've had one and you get over it, like, actually, that's quite tasty. Yeah. Um, but what's really interesting to me about it is um, that something ridiculous, like 80% of the world population already eat them as part really? of their regular diet yeah wow so again this goes back to the, what i was saying about our place of privilege 
Mm. when it comes to our perspective on these issues, it's like we don't even consider the fact that 80% of the world's population already consume yeah. insects as part of their regular protein intake. Mm. And have been, and the majority of these countries are third world. Um, some, some aren't, but the majority are. And they, you know, they, they eat a huge uh, range within their diet. And the, one of the reasons is, you know, well, I mean, it's just the cult, you know, culturally, but, you know, they, the, the part of their culture is to ensure that they are maintaining populations of certain things yeah. and to sort of spread spread their impact as best as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and also they just like eating a lot of stuff. Like, <laughs> but, but I thought that was really fascinating, you know, mm-hmm. that because that, I've seen a couple of pitch decks of, of some companies and, and spoke with a few and, and advised on a couple too that are in that space. And mm-hmm. they provided this data and consistently it seems to show that a huge range eat that. I, I even saw uh, a document documentary a little while ago about how we should be eating more jellyfish. Oh, I saw that. I haven't seen that, but I've heard that as well, because the yeah. jellyfish are taking over the sea. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't look like they taste of anything. Though, no. <laughs> but I suppose they could be a nice carrier for flavour or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but, I don't know. Um, but yeah, they, there will be a way, like technology, obviously, mm. can do anything. So yeah there definitely will be a way a bit bit of jerk seasoning on it yeah another interesting topic is like the um engineered meat so like it's real meat but without the animals you know suffering and (laughs) all of that kind of stuff so that's i that isn't that's that's an interesting area i'm not really sure what i think about Uh, me neither yeah i kind of think it makes sense but I'm yeah. sure that there's some ethics of like where that could go, that why that's potentially a bad thing. So I've got one for you. This is going to hurt your brain. And you might have heard this before. But here's, here is a, uh, a scenario for you. Um, if someone was to propose that they can give you a slab of meat, a burger or whatever, that is cloned from human meat, and that human consented to them be, to that meat being made for them, would you consider that the most ethical form of meat that existed? And would you eat it? I think I'd have to eat it just to try it. (laughs) You monster. Yeah, for curiosity, kill the cat and all that. Um, But is that not the most ethical I guess it is, but then it would concern me of like where that would go with like, because the thing with like AI and all that kind of stuff is if it's in bad actors' hands, like Mm. the technology exists, somebody clever built it for a good cause, but then people, but then I don't know what the bad things would be, but yeah. 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 I don't know. I mean, you could say that about anything, really. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I think it does sound like it makes sense, but. Because this was posed a while ago. I can't remember who I was speaking to about it, but they asked me about it because of obviously the bigger issue around for a lot of people when it comes to meat is the, the lack of consent, that, that there's obviously harm, that or, or, or murder. Um, so if, if consent is given, I mean, that's the most ethical food product that exists because it's the only food, we are the only food product, <laughs> if you want to call us that, <laughs> or the only, only thing that can give consent. So if something's being cloned from it, but it's just... I suppose it throws up a whole other dilemma, which is then, yeah, but it's it's your own species, which oh, is gen- yeah. generally frowned upon. Yeah, <laughs> in, I just in really most what might go wrong with it is that it would probably be quite expensive, and then, but if someone yeah. liked the taste of it, they'd just like 
go and kill a homeless person or something like do you know, I don't know like maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah we, we've taken a dark turn uh but that was my fault I hold my hands up I'm good at that um yeah you might be creating a load of Hannibal Lecters out there by yeah, getting booked yeah. on it and if it's really expensive then they're like be trying to feed their habit and like yeah, robbing yeah. banks and stuff I think and, we should not do that <laughs> yeah and there'd be like this whole culture of individuals like robbing banks and stealing to feed their cannibal habit yeah <laughs> Wow, we've just invented quite a dystopia. Above, uh, above anything that, well, anything that's like an 18 or above, not that you get aboves, um, because it's generally too scary for me. I get like too freaked out. I get too like into the film and I get like yeah. convinced. I just feel, I'm very empathetic, so I feel too much. So yeah, I can't, I don't like the idea. That, Let's scrap What you've just described is the exact reason why I love watching horror movies oh. and stuff, because of, because of that exact reason. I love, because I... I can get fully immersed, in, as long as it's good, obviously, I can get yeah. fully immersed, um, uh, similar to you. And um, uh, and that's what I love, because it takes me on a journey and takes me outside of myself and scares me and you know, thrills me. It's like a roller coaster, you know, and then you come out the other end of it. Because my son asked me the other day, he's eight, and he asked me, you know, why is it do, do grown-ups watch horror movies if it's scary and bloody and all this kind of stuff? And that's how I described it. It's like, well, why would you get on a roller coaster if it scares you? It's yeah. fun. No, I went to uni in Bournemouth and lived um, with non-uni people, but um, I remember two of them were watching Saw once and they got me to sit and watch it with them and I got up halfway through and I just looked at them like, you are sick, what is wrong with yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, I suppose if you're not into horror, Saw probably like isn't the, the best. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah, there's a certain amount of like, there are films out there like Saw, for example, that are kind of, unless you're a fan of the genre, are just gore for the sake of gore. Yeah. Um, but 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 there are other horror movies. In fact, funnily enough, I was thinking about one today that I want to rewatch, and it's not even. A, I'm not even sure if you'd call it a horror. It's more of a, a thriller that's kind of got gory elements to it, mm. called The Green Room. And the reason why I was thinking about it is because it's got Patrick Stewart in it as a main villain. He plays a neo-Nazi in it. And it's hilarious because he's, it's Patrick Stewart playing a neo-Nazi uh, villain. Um, but it's basically about uh, a venue, a music venue, and this band... Have you heard of this film? No, no. No, it's really good. Um, so it's a music, music venue out in sort of, you know, um, America, wherever, um, and uh, this punk rock band get called in. They don't realise it's a neo-Nazi bar, um, and they for whatever reason, turn of events get trapped in this venue and hunted by these neo-Nazis. So it's this band. So it's quite cool. It's like if you're into the music scene and stuff as well, there's kind of the uh, little Easter eggs there. Um, and it is quite scary. But like that is a much better film to get into as kind of the genre of mm. horror and, and being taken on that roller coaster rather than something like Saw, which is just a like assault on your senses. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, slightly different, I think. Yeah. So. <laughs> I can give you recommendations and no, off, no, offline. No, okay. I'll just like get scared of the dark. I just yeah, I just can't watch them. Not for me. So what is your preferred genre? Um, I, uh, I'm trying to think of. I do like thrillers, like mm. thriller-ish, like not too thrillery. Um, like Gone Girl. I really like films like that. That was a good film. Really. Yeah. Good film. Just yeah. like so a psychological like, thriller. Yeah, psychological, but not too fucked up basically like yeah, I feel, yeah if i if someone in the film is too fucked up in the head i feel fucked up in the head afterwards right, right. I, I don't know personality disorder or something i don't know yeah <laughs> no there's there's I, um I, I, like feel like i'm in it 
Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's kind of, yeah, because like you said, you're quite an empathetic person. You have that ability to, to, to sort of almost put yourself in their position and start sort of playing it out because that's that's a good way to try and help wrap your head around it is almost sort of jumping into it you'd make a very good uh, criminal psychologist or something. yeah 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 no <laughs> that's, that's really good. <laughs> yeah you know you mentioned um at the beginning of our conversation about how you have a notepad at bedtime mm. um uh, because you have a lot of uh you know ideas and inventions and stuff is that a trait of adhd then i think so yeah so i um... might have adhd then Shit. Yeah, I, I, you mentioned something earlier about having all different hobbies and stuff. And yeah. one of the ADHD groups that I'm in, um, ADHD Divas, which is amazing, uh, <laughs> what's that group? Um, they shared a post about how there sh someone should invent a company for people with ADHD to just share all their hobby stuff. So you take on a hobby and then you finished with it. So you don't want any of the stuff anymore. So mm. you pass it on to the next person with ADHD that wants another hobby and then just <laughs> like pass on all the hobby stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I yeah, that's a good idea. I wonder if you have ADHD when you said that. <laughs> I wonder if I do too. I think um, I probably do. Um, but it's one of those things where for me, for me personally, knowing wouldn't, wouldn't help me in any way i know for some people they find it validating and this and the other uh, for me it, it would it would probably have the, the opposite effect like mm -hmm. i don't i don't like the idea of personally for me labels um i you know i think in fact we've maybe gone a bit too far um in society with how we uh, have this desire for putting things into boxes and labeling them and and that creates more division and, and and so i've got i've got sort of feelings on that um without getting too political or anything but um so for me i don't think it would be it would be too different and i'd be worried that i might start doing things differently or others would start treating me differently yeah um, yeah I, I'm on the fence as well, to be honest, but I'm really glad that I have had a diagnosis because mm. I needed that validation because I just felt like I was so bad at school, but I moved around so much. I've never lived anywhere longer than five years apart from now this house, which is yeah. five and a half years or something. Um, so I just put the fact that I was, I never paid attention at school. I found it really hard to learn anything. Like I just really struggled to the fact that I moved a lot, but actually this explains so much for me and I really needed to know that that it's not mm. just because like I'm crap at learning and like I just can't right. myself and you know for, for my startup I can because I absolutely love it and it's like my hyper focus thing mm. um but keeping on top of my house and like all of that kind of stuff I really really struggle with it and now really? that I have ADHD just helps me um be a bit kinder to myself you forgive yourself a little bit yeah 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 you see that's the thing i would be worried about is um while that sounds lovely i, I feel like i would take it to the extreme and just be like ah you got adhd don't do anything today yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean i wouldn't yeah. i wouldn't i wouldn't uh i would take it too far you know what i mean yeah, i'd be yeah. like oh and you didn't listen, do that but i know yourself and like what's going to be helpful or not and i i I didn't even realise my mum, brother and sister all have been diagnosed years ago. And I just oh, really? never thought that I had it because I was like, I've got my shit together. I had I was the European HR manager for a global data analytics and research company. I'd been there for mm. eight years. I was like, you know, I'm like, this is all good. Like, I can't be can't have ADHD. Mm. Um, and then I just saw some stuff on Instagram where people were like explaining what it was like for them. And then I did an online test where you're supposed if you get like over 12 out of 18 that you say yes to then you probably have ADHD and I got like 16 out of 18 I was like hmm <laughs> and mm. then yeah just went down the formal diagnosis route but it 
it's just really helped me personally but I can see definitely why it wouldn't for some people yeah also I think a part of me is kind of like isn't it just part of personality like you know that that, while I think it's great that we're identifying these these certain um uh what, what do we call them um Oh God, there's a name for it. I'm I'm completely blanking. Things like ADHD and and so on. These diagnoses. I think it's really great that we're 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 sort of having more of a conversation about it, just like we did with with mental health, and, and now that's sort of pretty much standard uh, these days. Mm-hmm. Um, while that's great, I I can't help but sort of feel like at the same time, it what it's doing is it's making us just like with the conversation around mental health, making us feel like these things are exclusive in some way, when in fact. Like you just said, so many people have these. It's like, well, this is just part of the human condition then, surely. Like this isn't actually the 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 abnormal is actually to be completely normal, like <laughs> and have nothing wrong with you. Like I feel like there's yeah. a, there, we've got to a point now where we're recognizing that you know, you're either on the spectrum a little bit, you've got ADHD, you're probably, you know, suffering from anxiety and depression. Like, oh right, yeah, guess what? You're human. Welcome to the world. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know I, mean? I, I kind of disagree because I think like from my experience of being in school, for example, mm. I'd say out of the 30 kids in the class, I was the only one that had it. Like I was the only one that in my class mm. struggled the way I did with. Oh, sorry. My um, low power mode thing just popped up. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that being able to support the kids and I don't believe like medication is the right answer or anything for for most people like I'm not on medication for it I just wanted to understand it more so that I could learn more about it and stuff like Mm -hmm. that but for my kids for example if I think that one of them does end up having ADHD or both of them or whatever like I want to be able to support them with like giving them extra help with things because like I really needed extra help and I didn't have it I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that I I suppose what I'm saying is like it's I the way that we've kind of framed these these diagnoses is almost like oh this is this is unusual and so and yeah so we need to take these steps and the steps is is fine it's more just the way that we kind of perceive them as mm-hmm. as being these unusual uh, occurrences and i i'm kind of thinking well if so many individuals have it then maybe it's just a pretty standard version of a human mind mm-hmm. and 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 it shouldn't be necessarily seen as something other or unusual in fact it's just okay so this is part of personality so in some ways we don't need the term adhd we just we you know we can just say they are they have adhd personality traits but it doesn't necessarily need a diagnosis because if actually this is just a personality type yeah. it's someone someone who is you know and, and again i might be suggesting to sort of go backwards in a way but it's more just like and the reason why i think is maybe because of, i have seen and and i do have that perception of how these labels can have a negative effect also mm-hmm. It's like if you're just approaching it as, okay, we need to make concessions and extra support because if this person yeah. is like this, as opposed to they have a medical diagnosis, like so I, one worries me a bit more than the other. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I see it as a necessary step for society and systems mm. to be put in place to support right. humans in a more rounded way. Like I feel like humans and are not going to put all of this stuff in place if they don't have these things. You know, it's never going to happen. That's true. That's true. The necessary evolution of understanding humans, and they're going to look back at this period of time and be like, oh, everyone thought that they, like, were really different, but actually, like, it's half the population have, like, at least two of these things, or, you know, whatever. 
but I feel like but you need to start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and it, and, it, and it needs to be taken seriously. So if yeah. it, if it needs that label, that it need it needs that yeah. label in order to start moving mm -hmm. forward. Yeah, that makes total sense. Makes total sense. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. Well, you touched on it briefly then, but what about sort of you, you mentioned about being a founder? So, so uh, you know, I know a couple of founders with ADHD, and 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 I think you even follow one. Uh, uh, is it Roy? Um, uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that how you pronounce his name? I think so. Yeah, I Roy. Think so. Yeah. yeah, um, he's quite open about the fact that he's yeah. a founder of ADHD, and I, and 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 it's got a large following. And, and you know, as you know, um, but yeah, what, what what would you say is your experience with with it as a founder? Um, like, is it is it difficult? Do you have to do anything differently? Do you think I or? don't shout about it on my LinkedIn? I haven't even mentioned it. I don't think on my LinkedIn. I'm mm. fine for it to be in this, and I'm fine to talk about it. I'm, yeah. I'm about it, but I don't really talk about it that much because I feel like we're in quite such an early stage of our business and we really need investment that I feel like people that don't understand it, they might just get concerned that it means that I'm not going to be able to do my job well enough, you know, because it does. No, I, I think, I think you should be upfront about it and shout about it, Yeah. to be honest, because if, you know, the worst thing would be someone to come in on board as an investor and then they will find out about the fact yeah. that, you, you know, by the way you work. Like, mm. If anything, being upfront about it means that they, they are prepared and, and you will attract the right kind of, an yeah. investor who wants to work with you close. I think be be completely upfront about it. Yeah. Like if, if anything, the, the more bias, and I was going to ask you actually if you've actually received any of this, the more bias you probably have from investors is the fact that you're a couple and your your co-founders. Mm. There's a lot of bias towards that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And, I, and I know people who've hidden that from investors to their detriment. We're very open about that. Like we, I I know that people do think it's a, a bad thing, but I very strongly believe it's a really strong um advantage that we have i agree i agree yeah yeah so i'm yeah we're very open about that and the adhd is definitely an, an advantage because i'm like such a problem solver and mm. i can like multitask and do loads of things at once but what i'm learning is actually i need to now start refining my like day-to-day -day work life you know mm. and um focusing more on things to get things done more efficiently and things like that so yeah I, it's definitely a negative as well as a positive you know um, yeah I mean it's funny because I work with a couple of founders as, as clients of mine who who have ADHD or uh, even one that, that, that that's openly um, mentioned that he's on um, the autism spectrum um, and uh, a lot of what I do with them as they've asked me to do is more accountability yeah, uh, coaching that that sort of thing to just sort of keep them on track and be like, as we touch points, you know, every week to be like, how are you get on with that? Like, remind me of the stuff that I was meant to be done. Hold me accountable for not doing it. That kind of yeah. thing. Like, because if, if you're the boss, you don't have a boss to do that. Uh, yeah, and you, and you need that. And what's really interesting in the journey of the life cycle of, of a startup is in the very early stages, everyone needs to be a bit of a generalist. Mm. Um, and as things progress, then yeah, you need to start specialising, and that can be a very difficult shift even for those that don't have ADHD yeah. because you get into that flow of putting out fires and of jumping where you need to be wearing all these hats when the funding comes in when things start to scale and then you're expected to just sit in boring fucking meetings talking to executives all the time it's a bit like well this isn't fun yeah <laughs> this isn't what we were doing like you know and and, and a lot of people get bored of that and, and leave mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, oh yeah no I totally get it interesting and actually one of the things that you mentioned earlier or we were talking about earlier was the not knowing what the future looks like on the mm. journey I find I still find that really fascinating because I still don't know you know like what 
the next five years are going to look like for us like we're yeah. still very much in the early stages like we've got me and Davy and two interns so mm -hmm. it's com completely different to what it's going to look like but I do I feel like it's an evolution where it just like with a baby for example like if you just got given obviously this happens with adoption but like if you just got given like a five-year-old to look after you'd be like what the hell do I do yeah. like oh my god but with a baby you get like a little thing that doesn't really move much and then it grows up and you get used to it so, um, so, so funny enough that kind of happened to us to me and my mm -hmm. wife um so my my first my my first child um who's eight um Archie from a previous relationship and uh, long, I won't go into details of it, but long drawn out court battle. Um, and I unfortunately wasn't able to in the first few years of his life see him very much because oh. of this very long drawn out thing. So I didn't really, I, I met him you know, a couple of times very early on, but um, that was very difficult. Um, and, and so this drawn out thing. Eventually, anyway, after this very long period of time, by the time he was four, um, he moved in with us. So wow. my wife and I. And we would we only just got married at that time and only been together a few years and moved into our house and uh, bought a house together. And now suddenly we had a full five year old, like just out of nowhere, wow. mm. um, full time. And that that was that was a very big shock to the system. And then yeah. now we have a baby. And so now we're experiencing the baby side of things. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck, it was probably easier than what they could walk and talk, actually. Because <laughs> at least he went to sleep when we said and, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Um, but then, but then the plus side is he's sleeping a lot and doesn't talk all the time. So there's, you know, there's trade-offs that you know. Because yeah, yeah. my God, does he not shut up? Um, which probably <laughs> gets from me. Now I think about it. Um, uh, what was I going to ask you? Um, oh, that's gone from my head. That's annoying. Uh, but no, that's that's really. When, when did um, the platform launch? Uh, November twenty-one. So it's been live for a year and a half-ish. Right. Okay. Do you know what? It's funny. I have a bit, sorry, me talking again, but I have this a bit of a theory, you know, going back to what we were saying about how a lot of founders um, find that children are kind of the, the catalyst for it. I think it's to do with risk because you touched on it there a little bit. There's fear of unknown. We spend a lot of our lives worried about the future, right? As, as teenagers, as young adults, uh, panicking about the future, being concerned about it, getting anxious about it. And I think as you get older, you learn to let go because you realize very quickly um, that actually there's always going to be the unknown and you need to either get used to it or you're just going to be a crippled mess. And kids accelerate that knowledge <laughs> exponentially, right? Mm. Because you're suddenly, like you said, given this thing and you're like, I have no idea. No one's, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, yeah. You're like, this is nuts. How am I allowed to do this? Yeah, walk out of the hospital with this yeah. human. <laughs> How is this legal that I am now responsible for another human being? Like that literally goes through your head, doesn't it? You're like, you're like, this shouldn't make any sense, but it does. And mm -hmm. and so that sort of realization, I think, just makes you think, wait a minute. If if I can if I can do this, and this is unknown, mm -hmm. I can literally do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true. Mm -hmm. And so yeah taking the plunge so when so Davey started working full-time on it about three years ago or something and then I started working full-time on it um uh two months before we launched well when started trading so uh before that Davey kept saying to me you need to work on it full-time and I was like no like don't be ridiculous like we've got a we've got kids and we've got a family we've got a house like can't just quit my job like we haven't got savings like we are not in a position for me to quit my job and then we started, I started seeing um, like a couple of competitors pop up and I was like, 
hang on a minute like they're all doing the things <laughs> I want to do like they're, yeah, yeah. they're making more progress than me because I can't do anything so I've got my mm -hmm. full-time job the kids and plus it was COVID and I was having to like look after the kids from nursery like so much because they kept getting sent home all the time um so yeah that just made me bite the bullet and it actually only took me one day to decide to quit my job <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah I resisted it for so long I was like no 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 I'm definitely not doing it and then when I made my mind up I was like this is the time it's perfect like I just need to do it now and then I had a three-month notice period that turned into four months because oh, yeah, they're on a bit longer so yeah so, was, so was that was that the main driving force then seeing the competitors do it and you going like we need to do it was that the thing that really clinched yeah it? like before there weren't really any like direct competitors doing what we were doing and I was like I think it just put us into a place of like complacency like oh we can just take forever <laughs> like we didn't want it to but the build was taking forever it was taking so long obviously um so yeah it just never felt like well it was probably a catalyst of things because the website was actually getting closer to being able to be launched because most people obviously say you need to just launch before you're ready and stuff like that but we actually couldn't launch because we couldn't show anything <laughs> like we mm. couldn't show any secondhand listings next to each other without building the thing that brings them all together so yeah. um yeah that was a bit frustrating one thing that i will say just for if there are you know budding entrepreneurs on here thinking about doing a startup one person told me at the beginning of our journey, like in, after a, a year or something, she said, you really need to build your community before you build the product and you need to speak to your customers and all of this kind of mm -hmm. stuff. But we didn't take that advice because I couldn't commit to anything other than my work and family stuff because of um, mm. everything. But I really wish that we had done something <laughs> to like start growing the community and start speaking to people. I think I felt yeah. like it it's going to be like too big of a commitment um to do that so we just didn't do it and also we really naively thought at the beginning that we would build the product and people would come like millions of people would be like scraping at the door trying to like use the product and yeah. that's obviously just not the way it works at all which we've yeah. learned. but um yeah it's just really interesting that people can tell you things at the beginning but because you really don't know anything you don't even listen to the advice it's ridiculous tell me about it <laughs> that's what i do for a living i get ignored for a living by founders that's basically yeah. uh that's i get i get paid to be ignored uh, <laughs> but but no i mean look what you touched on there is is really important it, it, again it kind of goes back to what we said about you know if you know what is to come you probably won't do it right mm -hmm. it's sometimes ignorance is bliss but there are proven steps yeah right that, that I advise on all the time, that other advisors and, and those that have been there and done that advise them. Like, I'm sure if, you know, in a few years' time, if you exit or whatever and you become an, an advisor to founders, you will say, get, you know, don't do what I did, like, do it the better <laughs> yeah. way. Um, and, and, and it is tough because, you, you know, once you lay this out to people of like, do this X, Y, and Z, it creates that problem we talked about, which is as an advisor, I find the majority of individuals I speak to when I do lay it out don't end up pursuing it because it just looks so daunting. Um, unless you actually sort of say, look, I'll start with you, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it together. Yeah. Um, but the building the community one, funny you mention it, I am a huge advocate of that. Mm. Like huge advocate for all the reasons you touched on and more mm. in that how much you can learn, you build the product in the right direction and you've got a baked in user base when you yeah. deliver. Like, it's yeah. just, I mean, so many reasons why I love it. And what's fascinating to me is, I, so I, I'm... A, you know, a bit, a bit of a gamer in my my side. 
Uh, I mean, I would say you could tell because I'm wearing <laughs> PlayStation headphones, but they're camouflaged, so you can't see them. Uh, the gaming chair, I think, gives it away. <laughs> too, yeah. Um, and with game development, that's been a staple of the way games have been developed for years, right? It's, you know, you you you, you get the community involved, you find your community, you, you build it up over time, you get them involved, you get them to play test, you know, you release different versions, you get feedback, you do surveys, like, that's the norm, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's the, it's been the way in creative media now for some time, you know, mm -hmm. um, so I see no reason why that shouldn't happen um, with that. But like you said, you encounter the problem of time. Yeah, that's the that was the biggest problem. And my mental health as well, like, have I struggled with our first baby, um, just because he was a difficult baby, and some people have it the other way around, like easy first one, difficult second one. No, they're all in the ass. Yeah. I don't care <laughs> We had the first one and I just, yeah, really struggled with it. And um, then the second came along and then COVID happened. So like both times I just was struggling and my job was really full on. Like I had a lot of responsibility and I had to commit so much time to that. So anytime that I had to take off to look after the kids, if they got sent home from nursery, I had to then work in the evenings to make up for it. Um, so it was just really hard. And I just, I wasn't ever going to be able to do, do that. <laughs> As well. so is that what you were both doing then so so were you were you taking time out of work to focus on this or was it literally just it evenings was, weekends it was hardly any time for me to be honest to start with so Davey yeah. was doing all the work to build it because we knew it was going to take a long time to build the the essential huge difficult part of it and that we weren't really going to be able to make much progress so we were kind of sad the first thought was that there's no point saying anything yet because it's we have no idea yet how long this is going to take and we don't mm. want to be talking about it and then people just be like well where is it then <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Said, you know what I mean so I think it was a good decision that we didn't you know talk about it too much but we could have built a community of secondhand lovers just talking about secondhand it didn't need to be about the product you know yeah yeah I guess it's uh, it's tricky though because so you know not not all rules need to be followed all the time right so like the, the other general rule that you would talk, you know, that you generally save when building a, a SaaS offering would be, you know, build a community, deliver an MVP. Um, and, you know, that can be something really basic, like, you know, a website that's made through Wix or, you know, something like really strip back your idea and deliver a, a really simple version of it. But sometimes the ideas are, they require a V1. Yeah. Sometimes the idea requires some sort of proprietary technology yeah. or idea that actually it needs to deliver immediately on yeah. that. Otherwise, it isn't the idea. Yeah, that's and so exactly. it's pointless. Yeah. And this, this sounds similar to that, that because there's, yeah. yeah, because you've got, like you mentioned about the technology behind it, pulling in mm -hmm. all these different platforms. Like that is the essence of what it is. There yeah. isn't an MVP. It's not solving any problem for anybody yeah. <laughs> with eBay or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Otherwise, you just have a website that says, click here to go to eBay, click yeah. here to go to Etsy. It's like, well, yeah. thanks for that. You know, so, so sometimes those rules are made to be broken. And and it, and because of that, um, there, there maybe wasn't really a need to do the community yeah. thing. Because what are they going to test? And what are you going to give them other like, than the actual product? We did launch it before it was ready. Like when we started trading in november 21 it basically just had ebay and oxfam like it doesn't solve any problems yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and it still doesn't really like it's still 
doesn't have all the things that we need it to do to solve to actually solve the problem that we originally had so it's still going to take a little bit longer till we get there but we are very nearly there um but yeah and there's it's just funding more than anything now like we just need money to be able to um hire extra people to get this over the line like to finish it pilot our curation thing that we're working on as well which i haven't really mentioned yet can i just quickly say about it yeah yeah what's that um, so we're going to be working with online content creators, so people who already share their secondhand style, so their outfits, um, mm. and then they will be able to upload their pictures of their outfits, tag the search terms of the items that they're wearing, and then other people can then see all the secondhand items that are closely matched to recreate that look. So people oh, that's cool. shop the look, but for secondhand. Um, so it exists very much for new, but it doesn't exist for secondhand yet, so we're the yeah. first in the world to do this which is really exciting and um, we're just about to launch our pilot for that so yeah that's our next venture that's that a really that's a really cool idea yeah because quite often that that's one of the driving forces behind the individuals buying you mm. is our influencers and, and especially with the, the the ability to tag um like instagram well, different yeah, items exactly. and stuff like that yeah yeah that's a great idea thank you yeah yeah because that is the thing with the why like the idea came out of the curation that we've done manually you know where you can like click and browse and stuff like that but that's so limited and it's very stagnant mm-hmm. but with the content creators who are already sharing their secondhand outfits it's like changing all the time and like you know people can follow people that they like their style and what i love about the potential of it is the accessibility side of it as well mm-hmm. so if someone's like plus size or petite or you know whatever the things that are harder to find secondhand and those people struggle to buy secondhand because they don't know as well what, you know, suits their shape and stuff like that. Yeah. So if they see someone else that is their shape and size that is rocking the secondhand style, they can, mm-hmm. like, find those things. It's like, I just really love that. It's going to open up the world of secondhand for people. A hundred percent. And it's kind of inspirational, isn't it? That if you see someone rocking an outfit and they look really good, you probably wouldn't even consider the fact that it's secondhand yeah. unless they say, yeah, everything is secondhand. And then you go, oh, right, really? I can I can look good in second. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's kind of validating a little bit. Yeah, it breaks the barrier. And... Yeah. 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 That's a great idea. I love it. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and that that sort of starts working towards the community effect, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you know that will still that will still occur, but it will just be later. And and like I said, I think that makes sense that it's kind of almost the next step because of in yeah. a way you've now got the MVP. Yeah. Right. Which is a sophisticated MVP, but it has to be like we said. Yeah. So now now you can you will start building the community. Mm. So in a way you are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That is exactly what you would have done. Longer than other people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you just—it's just that your MVP is a lot more sophisticated than what yeah. others might be, because it, it is a slightly more complex offering in, yeah. in on the back end side of things, mm, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, the, 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 I guess the, the the steps are always there; they're always the same, mm. but they're just you know sometimes slightly out of order, uh, sometimes mm-hmm. just not as black and white as that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, do do you um, do you find that you're you're still getting other ideas though for startups and stuff that you're just like oh we can no so uh, like I actually don't need to have my invention thing my, by my bed anymore because like oh, okay. well I have my used and loved <laughs> notes instead so like right, okay. I'll have ideas about used and loved about things that we can do in it and stuff like that but I never yeah. I never really have ideas for anything else anymore which is great <laughs> okay good. Yeah, yeah. It's all, all my inventions are, and I have so many ideas for used and loved. Like, there's just so much that we can do with it. It's really, 
perfect for my brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a, it's got a lot of legs. Yeah, it's funny because of um, a lot of. Uh, so you know, I mentioned about how I jump online and give people free advice and things like. A lot of how that, those calls tend to go, as well as at some point, you know, they tell me what the product is or the idea or you know whatever stage is, early stage, late stage, and so on. And you know, they need I you know advice, but more often than not, I'm just coming up with ideas. I'm like, oh, have you thought about trying this? And I end up basically doing that, but for their business, yeah. and end up giving them like twenty ideas, and they're like, yeah, yeah they're really good. I'm, I'm yeah. like, hey, you're welcome. <laughs> and then that's it friends as well like I've got a couple of friends whose businesses have been like struggling a bit I'm like just take me in like let's just sit and have a coffee and I will just brainstorm loads of stuff yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, so, it's so much fun isn't it and that's mm. the thing and that's what people have said to me like I've been asked several times like why are you doing this for free like you know mm -hmm. advisors don't do stuff I was like, I love it I just love doing it <laughs> you know it's, it's that solving a problem the puzzle solving that kind of thing of just like what can we do creatively to to solve this issue and especially when there are limitations involved that's mm -hmm. when i thrive and the limitation yeah. is usually money right yeah. so it's like how, how can you leverage what you have around you in order to to make something work like it, it's the it's like the modern equivalent of being thrown into a, a, a forest and just being told to survive it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean that's what it is it's like macgyver yeah. macgyver situation um, get your machete out <laughs> yeah yeah fix yeah. it <laughs> yeah yeah exactly create a tiktok yeah. <laughs> release two pieces of content a day <laughs> yeah yeah exactly hard world hard, hard but someone's got to do it yeah mm. so so what's next then for, for the platform you mentioned obviously about you know you want to get the funding in um and and start scaling a bit there but what's next in terms of the yeah what, what's the next big big steps yeah, so we um, are going to introduce personalization. So um, getting people's, yeah, once we get the funding and we get the money to do all this stuff. So we're going to add personalization, including like per people being able to create like their DNA, like they can on Depop. So they right. can uh, on their profile set the type of things that they actually want to see. Because obviously the thing with secondhand is you don't want to see baby stuff if you don't have a baby. Like there's like yeah. so many things that you don't need. Um, well, I don't know. There are some weirdos out there that might. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we want to like make it so that the world of secondhand is just a bit smaller and more personalised for people, and use AI and machine learning to like really make that awesome. Um, and build the app and pilot the shop the look curation thing because I've got some um, curators on board now who I'm working with, and we're putting all their stuff on the website so that's really exciting and they're all so I reached out to like um actually I'm not going to say this bit because I don't really want this bit to be public but yeah it's really exciting you can tell me um, offline yeah <laughs> so um yeah that's basically it there's so much work to be done <laughs> you know and there's so many things that I is we eventually are going to add a payments tool as well so that people don't need to go all the way through to eBay and all the way through to Vinted and all the way through to all those other sites to make the purchase. They'll be able to make the purchase on our site, which will be like hugely game changing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really exciting as well. Um, but yeah, it's all. Oh, sorry. My right. just said 10 percent. So <laughs> hopefully it won't run out. Um, yeah. <laughs> all of those things and working on the stuff for Glastonbury and figuring out our customer acquisition channels that we can do that are going to have like the least cost um mm. and things like that so testing 
adds more. We did um, ad testing last year, but we've had to completely stop because we we're about to run out of money. So um, picking that back up again and figuring out like where the taps are basically mm. so for growth because we haven't fully really grown yet, obviously, because we've I have been in MVP and we've had these issues with the tech that Davey's been working on. So he's needed to like rebuild a big chunk of it, which has been annoying, but good that we've identified it so early and we can just get on and do it. Yeah. Uh, but it means that the website just isn't that great right now. So for example, it's showing Etsy stuff that is classed as um, vintage, but actually there's loads of new stuff. So we need to, even though it is classed as vintage on Etsy, we need to weed out those things. And uh, mm. we've had to take vintage off because of this bug. So yeah, there's just like, loads of things that we need to do always the way always the way it never ends yeah, yeah. so there's always something yeah yeah so i mean that's but you're you're um i think you made the, the smart move by marrying a developer though that was, yeah because uh, yeah. otherwise otherwise it would have been a, a big loan uh yeah, <laughs> yeah it would have been like 200 grand or something by now so. easy yeah, yeah 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 definitely uh, what, Sorry, I was okay. just going to say, we raised last year, so we raised 162000 which is like mm. nearly all gone now. So even without having to pay for a developer, it still costs, you know, mm. loads of money. <laughs> so are you are you raising currently then? Yeah, Have just about to start now. Just yeah. started, okay. And how's, how's it going so far? Well, I'm like literally just about to start. Oh, right, okay. Like sorry. in the next few days. So we're just putting together our investor oh, okay. list and, and stuff like that. So Brilliant, brilliant. So in that case then, if there are any, I know some investors do watch this um mm. already which is great because it's oh, cool. yeah. um but um and in fact i uh the, the guy who i'm speaking to this afternoon is an investor oh awesome. uh, yeah who's doing another the third episode of this um but yeah if, there, if there's anyone watching what would you say as like yeah what how would you like what's your elevator pitch to investor you gave the elevator pitch of like you know the beginning of like what the product is but what's yeah. the opportunity uh the opportunity is that the secondhand market is so it's growing so rapidly that it is the next big thing and we are in a really unique like unfair advantage situation where we've identified this gap in the market for secondhand we originally thought it was aggregating secondhand but that's you know not enough the fact that we can convert people from buying fast fashion to buying secondhand with influencer tech is absolutely massive and like i said we're the first in the world to do this and we're the first in the world in the UK especially, which is where we're focusing right now, to um, attract these creators, which means instead of with the aggregator model needing to acquire millions of customers for it to work financially, we only need to acquire one curator and get 18,000 customers, another cu curator and get like 200,000 followers. It's an awesome acquisition plan. It's like a mm. flywheel like Depop has of bedroom entrepreneurs basically. Um, and so it's a great opportunity and this is the space that is going to be getting all the attention there's so much money being pumped in from VCs into the resale space for re you know online high street retailers that um, yeah it would be silly not to jump in on this that's awesome yeah no, that's, that's great well um, yeah very well said I think that um, yeah, I'm sure there's 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 we haven't touched on like revenue opportunities and how how that works in the model, but we don't have to get into it if you don't want to. But um, I'm sure that 
Oh yeah, well yeah. If you could explain that, then you know, how does that model work? Because so if... the affiliate model, to, the aggregator was going to be just affiliate. So we would right. we earn money from eBay and Oxfam and places like that. So if anyone buys anything through our site, then we earn commission. Right. Okay, that makes sense. So, yeah. Um. So that would would have worked, and it is fine. But it would have cost so much money to acquire the number of customers that we would have needed for that to work because you need huge volumes obviously right um so with our new business model we are doing um a subscription model so it's kind of like sustainability as a service <laughs> um because people can pay different scales of access and then get access to the hyper personalized feed and the hyper personalized content and the get early access to the curators and their secondhand style drops because like the mm. best items will always go first. So whenever a curator shares their new style outfit, um, the best things will go quickly. So yeah, yeah. it's getting early access to that kind of stuff. And then eventually we'll also include e-personal shopping. So like a much more personalized um, tool basically. Mm. Um, and it's a much stronger business model. So we only need like 200,000 people to be using the site to earn uh, like 1.8 million monthly recurring revenue eventually so mm. um yeah it's really exciting and it's it just is. like it's such a weight lifted off our shoulders because we were thinking mm. before like is this gonna work you know like yeah. how are we gonna uh, get this many people and again at the beginning of our journey we really naively believed that everybody was going to want to use this and but it's much harder to change people's buying habits you know than um than we thought it would so mm. <laughs> i think you've certainly made it easier for people to make that decision with the platform you created though so it's it, like we said it's fr it's less friction um and and yeah that sounds like a very interesting model i think that uh, has, has legs i mean i you know i use amazon prime mm, right yeah. so like yeah. people want to have a curated personalized experience and literally the only reason why i pay whatever it is 8.99 a month is is primarily because of the shipping um yeah. does my head in so that's one thing yeah. You've listed off a ton of benefits there, you know, where it's more personalized and all the, you know, the, the, the creators, like there's so many, um, there's so many value adds to that. Yeah. And it, it feels a bit of a no brainer to me. There's so many um, tools out there now for personal styling that mm. people pay loads of money for and they uh, to get like new items curated for them personally, obviously, and then shipped to them and then they try them on and say, send back things that they don't want. It's all like really labor heavy and stuff like that for the business, but it's also only for new. They don't really do it for second hand. So mm. um, ours is a much more accessible way to get personal shopping because you have to have a lot of money to employ those types of services. Yeah. But with these, we just send like a list of stuff online that you can just choose whether you buy stuff. And obviously the stuff is second hand, so it's all cheap anyway. So it just is yeah a much more accessible way and i think that people are really changing the way that they want to style themselves you know like individuality and mm. uh, finding things that suit their shape and, and stuff like that is becoming more um more mainstream like before everyone was just happy to just buy what was in the high streets and stuff like that but people want more individual style now and mm. that's what secondhand lends itself to so well um, I think, yeah, for, for, for those over, say, the age of 25 and up, yes, it's becoming major. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, like I said earlier, I think, you know, the younger generations have always had their, their finger on the pulse when it comes to that one. But, uh, but now I think, yeah, adults are becoming more expressive in the way they dress. 
yeah. And that's that's I think yeah partially because of the fact that there is access to to more variety on a on an affordable scale. Whereas you know ordinarily you would have variety or something different. It would have to be at a at a high price point. And so yeah, you know the secondhand side of things plays a huge role in that. Yeah. So, 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 so we're coming up to the last 10 minutes. I just wanted to end on a, on a particular topic that I've been thinking about throughout our whole conversation. I wanted to ask your opinion on it. Um, there's another movement as well as secondhand, which I'm I'm really excited about um, as well, which is this, and I can't remember the, the official term for it, but essentially people fixing things. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And and there, there's a huge movement on that. And and um, and I really love it because it's, it's going more towards, I mean, it's one thing to know how to do basic, uh, carpentry, DIY, and things like that, which I'm a huge advocate of, and I think that that should be taught in schools and everyone should know it. I was very fortunate to be brought up with that, you know, on, on a building site with my father and stuff. So I, I know my way around the house and how to get stuff done. Um, but it's even now moving towards something like electronics. And I'm, like mm -hmm. I mentioned, a bit of a fan of tech. Um, and that is one, I suppose, of my pleasures that isn't particularly environmentally friendly i like technology i will always want the newest game console or gadget and the problem with that obviously is these minerals that go into these the the, the resources are are not only um uh, a drain on the this on the planet um from a climate perspective but also come with a lot of human cost unfortunately okay. as well um, and, and we've seen a shortage in, in you know, the certain um, components too. So, the, yeah, this topic of, of, of fixing your own things, companies being a lot more transparent about sharing their manuals um, mm. and guides on fixing, and even the release of laptops and phones now that are modular that yeah. people can update and things like that. Like, I think it's really fascinating. Have you been following that? And yeah, so even iPhones are um, changing it so that you can replace the battery and stuff yeah. You couldn't do without going to apple without it blocking your phone which is ridiculous yeah uh yeah right to repair and like repair cafes and mm. uh all the community things that come out of it and share skill sharing and you know being able to find people in your community that do know how to fix or like sew something or fix electronics and stuff like that is really important because i think community mm. is getting lost you know along the way mm. um but yeah i think repair is amazing davy's actually just joined as a volunteer for the repair cafe in our um where we live okay it's just really nice that people know that they can come and bring something that they would otherwise have had to throw throw away mm. um and then there's loads of seamstresses and people mm. doing alteration on clothes to make them like actually fit really nicely and it means that you really care about that item yeah and i think that i still feel like that is above a price point for a lot of people because you know it's a luxury it feels like to be able to do that even mm. i can't really afford to do stuff like that um I, we are in the depths of startup life so we're completely skint right now but <laughs> whenever I can afford it that's definitely something that I want to be able to do mm. um, to get my clothes altered because like people change shape and size and like yeah. I've got some clothes that I love that I don't want to get rid of but um don't fit anymore or whatever mm. so yeah I think it's great I think it's the way like going back to the old ways and looking after our stuff and looking after things in general and not just seeing things as disposable as much as they used to so yeah. when me and Davey when we first got together the first business that we came up with was going to uh, festivals and salvaging tents so we it was called Tent Happy and we did it for two years and we went to like all the different festivals Glastonbury Reading and all mm -hmm. the different ones um, and we would 
take all the tents home that got left behind the and then we'd fix them up repair them and clean them up and stuff and then sell them so we did 300 we sold 300 tents and then donated 500 sleeping bags to homeless charities Mm. Um, and it was amazing but it was very labor intensive Mm. but the difference over the last few years or last when we did it was probably seven years ago now actually so we did it for two years and then the two years after that everything changed like people weren't leaving their tents behind anymore because the awareness was being like shouted about so much Mm. like don't leave your tent at home uh, at the festival take your tent home sorry that's the thing Mm. um yeah people are talking about it more raising awareness and then it makes people like stop and think (laughs) basically because it's I think we're in a culture now where there's so many things that we do where we don't think about it at all. Like Mm. the difference between buying new and buying used is if you go into a high street or you go shopping online through the retailers, the retailers spend so much money on making it so that you don't need to think about it. You just like make snap decisions and it's like so Mm. easy and Amazon's next day delivery, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that's definitely all for going backwards a bit, but then just making it easier. Mm. Um, for everybody. Well, that's it. And that's the thing, though. Like, I, 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 I'm not anti-capitalist or anti-biggest uh, uh, corporation or anything like that. Like, I admire the the commitment and the energy and the resources they put into to companies to do that. So that when you walk in, your mind is made up for you. That things are made convenient. That you, you, they are marketing to you in a way that 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 appeals. And like, there's a certain level of you know my my business brain that really admires that and says yeah well done fair play like that's good business you're a business you're making money like you wouldn't be where you are if you didn't do that um but then on the other hand you know i also root for the underdog and 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 doing things differently but i i'm also a realist in the sense that even when the underdogs become popular enough they they become the very thing that they hate it and that's yeah. absolutely fine too like, yeah <laughs> you, you know that's the way it, that's the way yeah. the world goes that's capitalism for you like you know and it's a great thing anyone can become uh, a millionaire if you you know and and a greedy bastard if you work hard enough <laughs> but yeah but it's um no i i, I really appreciate that i think and and, and you know you, you're right like it, to some degrees you've got to go back and sort of have these skill sets but in other ways there's almost a new emerging skill set which is to do with technology which i touched on too which is which is a, a bit more complex and and takes individuals with maybe a lot more time to want to learn about but i think that's that's really important because um, we're seeing a shortage of a lot of these minerals, um, you know, precious metals and stuff like that that go into these um, into these devices that are being made. Um, not enough being done to recycle them either. Yeah. I mean, recycling, that's a whole other topic we didn't even touch yeah. on. Jesus Christ, am I disillusioned <laughs> with that? What a waste of bloody time that is. And um, vapes. <laughs> like, how are they legal? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I see so many people walking around with disposable vapes. And the thing that annoys me about so I, I you probably noticed me chugging away on this thing. I mean, you know, I bought this. It's It, it makes sense financially yeah, for me to buy yeah. this. Why would I ever buy something that I have to throw away after a year? Yeah. That's stupid. And they're all uh, lithium batteries. They're all rechargeable batteries as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah re- recycling, that whole thing, that's fundamentally broken. So, you know, what's being done to... You know, there are a few organizations out there that are taking old phones, for example, and trying to repurpose the 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 the, the, the components, but that's very labor intensive, very difficult for very little return. Um, so yeah, we should be fixing stuff and 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 making stuff more importantly, companies should be making stuff that is easy to, easy to fix, 
or even more important, easy to upgrade. Yeah, not built in obsolescence. Exactly. Mm. And that's, that's the huge issue, really, let's face yeah. it, you know, yeah. which is why, you know, I think a lot of, I mean, if you want to be eco-friendly, buy a PC and learn how to build a PC, right? That's mm. like the, the <laughs> best thing to do. Don't buy a, a MacBook because you can't do anything with them. Like, yeah. you know, um, but anyway, yeah, bit of a tangent there. To it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as you probably guessed, we're we're both good at that, apparently. Yeah. That. I, I, I've noticed a trend already out of the two episodes I've done. The, the, the people that I've had on have all been just as, you know, they, they, we've matched energy. Just yeah, talk, yeah. you know, for here, there, little tangents. That's the way to go. Um, but no, look, let, let's, yeah, we're, we have to wrap things up, unfortunately. But um, it really lovely speaking with you. You too. I, you. I hope you. Yeah, I hope you've enjoyed it. And um, uh, yeah, it would be really lovely to speak again at some point. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know when this is coming out, but it'll be coming out soon. And obviously I'll let you know and, you know, thank you and all that sort of stuff. Um, and uh, and yeah, good luck to you with everything. And you, you, what you're doing is amazing. I, I have no doubt that it's going to be successful. Good luck with the raise as well. It's coming up. And, you know, anyone that's, that's made it this far into the video, if you're still watching, um, you know, and, you want, and you're interested in investing, I've showed you, um, and I'll obviously include all of your information in the description of the video as well. But um, get in touch with Jess and, uh, and give us some money. Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah. Help right. us. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. And I love that it's just been about anything and everything. It's been really nice. <laughs> yeah, why not? I didn't, I, yeah, maybe I should impose some sort of structure on this. I don't know. But I just feel like it's just nice you to chat. See where it goes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And look, if anyone, and, and the hope is as well, anyone who does want to work with you in the future, they get a sense of who you are, yeah. you know, and, and that's the thing. And, and I think people buy from people, people invest in people. So, you know, potential future customers and potential future investors, they see you, you're a lovely individual, you're clearly very passionate and, and you know, very knowledgeable about what, what it is you're doing. And I think that makes a huge difference. You know, sometimes just having a little profile photo on a, on a profile doesn't do enough. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know. Agreed. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to probably share this with some investors. So <laughs> thanks a lot. If they've got, if they've got two hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <as well. laughs> yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much again. And yeah, have a lovely day. And um, we'll, we'll you know, keep in touch and keep chatting. And uh, we'll speak again soon, I'm sure. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Gregory. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching and or listening. Please like, subscribe and join the conversation in the comments below.